<laughs> well, good morning, everybody. Hey, come on. Yeah, yeah. Great to have you here this morning. I think quite a few might be away because of holidays. I don't know. People make the most of holidays at the moment, don't they? <laughs> Let's get away. Some are more blessed than others and go to Rabatonga, eh, Liz? Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Well, how are you all this morning? Good. Good? Great. Well, I'm good, too. Yeah, I'm good. <laughs> That's good. It's all good. Alrighty, well, my message is measured by the blood. I did a uh, message last week called, uh, I think it was measured by God or something like that. It was to do with measured. But I want to talk today on the subject and... Uh, well, it might be a bit stirring in part, but anyway, here goes, all right. You know, the blood has always been very precious since the beginning of time. And uh, what is it, you, know, you could ask, what is it about the blood that's so important and so vital? And the Bible says in numerous places, and in one is Leviticus 17 and verse 11, it says, the life is in the blood. And verse 14, it says this, it is the life of all flesh... Its blood sustains its life. And then it goes on to say further along, for the life of all flesh is in its, is in its blood. So we must always remember that Satan wants to be like God. Remember when he said, I will ascend into the heavens and I will exalt my throne above the stars of God in Isaiah 14.13. And that was why he was kicked out of heaven, because he tried to take over. Fat chance he had of that. <laughs> you think, Satan, how, how prideful could you be that you think you could take the one who created him? No way. Anyway, pride always comes before a fall. Uh, so this is why Satan, he craves the life that comes from the blood. It empowers him, and he's looking, he's looking for life because there's no life in him. He doesn't have any life in him. When he's foul and he sinned, darkness came into him and death. So that's all he can carry and that's all that he can do. He cannot bring life in any way at all. And so when people give themselves over to Satan and, and agree with his lies and live out those lies, what happens? It gives him and his demonic forces more power. So when God made Adam and Eve in his image, they were clothed with the glory of God. It was They were their blood was, was filled with glory and that glory came out upon them and clothed them. And uh, you know, as we know, God gave them dominion over all the earth and their mission was to go and be fruitful and to multiply and to take dominion. Well, we know the story how Satan came and he deceived Eve to do the one thing that God said not to do. And that was to not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For in that day God warned, you eat of it, you will surely die. Well, we know the story how Satan came and deceived Eve. Uh, when he said through the snake, he said, you shall not surely die. You know, he took her to that tree, showed us how lovely it was. And, and he said, you know, you won't die if you eat of it, you won't die. And uh, Adam went along with it. And they did the one thing that they were forbidden to do. And at that moment, the glory that clothed them departed. And from then on, they discovered, at that moment, they discovered their nakedness. 
and the glory that was in them was extinguished through sin itself. So what does God do? It says in Genesis 3.21, Also for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin and clothed them. Adam made a sacrifice. I mean, God made a sacrifice. He sacrificed animals to clothe them. And from that time on, Satan has demanded blood sacrifices, but he didn't stop at animals. He would demand human sacrifices, and especially of the innocent, the small and the, the, the babies. So the early pagan religions demanded this. They demanded human uh, sacrifices. But over time, God made a covenant with Abraham his son Isaac, and his son Jacob. And from Jacob came the 12 tribes of, of Israel. So Israel was the vehicle by which God was going to come into this earth and bring his son, who would die for all the sins of the world, as we know that. And God made a covenant with Israel. He said, if you'll keep my laws and my commandments, he said, all these blessings will come upon you and they'll overtake you. And he said, he'll protect them, he'll provide for them. And God instituted animal sacrifices as a covering for sins so that they could live in the blessings of God if they should sin. So many years passed. So they lived and they were blessed by God. It really blessed them and honoured honored them. And after many, many years, Israel began to move away from God and did evil, it says, they did evil in his sight. And even though their history was full of amazing miracles and, and wonders, God had delivered them miraculously from Egypt, opened the Red Sea, parted the Red Sea, brought them through that. And he looked after them for 40 years in, in the wilderness. He, he, he made sure their clothes never wore out. They had water, they had food. He, he provided them from, in every way. And anyway, in, uh, and we, later on, uh, there became two kingdoms. Now, the kingdoms of Judah and Israel became part of Israel. They were divided into two kingdoms of their own doing. And in 1 Kings 16 and to 18, we hear about King Ahab. He is now king of Israel, and it says he did even more wickedness in the sight of God than all previous kings. It's so sad, you know, with all that God had given them, and uh, here they are, they're they doing wickedness in his sight. And then he married an awful person <laughs> called Jezebel. A Sidonian, she was a, a Sidonian, and they were Baal, Baal worshippers. And the Bible says Ahab went, in, went and served Baal and worshipped him. And he set up an altar to Baal in the temple of Baal he built in Samaria. Now Baal demanded the sacrifice. He demanded blood sacrifices. And it's, it's, it's really sad, terribly terrible. But God had a remnant of people who were loyal to him and they hadn't bowed their knee to Baal. And there was a powerful prophet called Elijah and uh, Ahab and Jezebel, they were terrified of him. They hated him because uh, he challenged Ahab. He challenged his sin and pronounced there would be no rain or dew for three years. And so there was this great drought, they called, over the whole land. And uh, Jezebel, she hated the prophets of God. She ordered their massacre of all of the prophets. But Obadiah, he was the one who was head over the, 
the King Ahab's house. He feared the Lord greatly, the Bible says, and he hid 100 prophets in the caves and, and took them food and water. But because Elijah had challenged King Ahab, uh, Jezebel, she was desperate to have him killed. She hated him. Uh, but God kept Elijah hidden. You know, he would be, he would, you know, they think they would catch him, they were close to capturing him, God would just translate him to somewhere else. And that went on quite a lot. And uh, anyway, in 1 Kings 18 and verse 1, it says, It came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third day, saying, third year, at the end of the, at the end of the, it's coming towards the end of the drought. So in the third year, saying, go and present yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on the earth. Um, now, Obadiah, he was out searching out the land. They was trying to find grass for the animals because of the drought. And suddenly, it just said, suddenly, Elijah appeared before him. And God had supernaturally placed him there to meet Obadiah. And in verse 8, Elijah told Obadiah to go tell Ahab that I am here because he'd been hunting for him for a long time. And Ahab was really reluctant to do that. He, he was frightened because he says, he says, you know, if I bring him back, then you'll, you'll not be here. Like previously, he'll just be taken away. Anyway, Ahab, um, Elijah reassured Obadiah, he said, and he promised, I will remain where I am until King Ahab arrives. So Obadiah, he went and told Ahab, and when Ahab came and saw Elijah, Ahab said to him, Is that you, O troubler of Israel? And he's the one. I mean, isn't that so twisted? Lies of the devil. He's not the troubler of Israel. To which Elijah replied in verse 18, I have not troubled Israel, but you have, and that you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord and have followed the Baals. And remember what they demand, the sacrifice of little ones. So my question is, are these demon powers still around today? Yes, they are. And they'll be here until God says enough, you know, when they're thrown into the lake of fire. And, uh, you know, I was thinking about this. It sounds to me, like many governments around the world, including where we live, who through their liberal laws, abortion laws, are literally sacrificing babies to Baal. Now let me say this, if you've ever had an abortion, get it right with God. Just say, Lord, you know, some people don't realise what they're doing and just say, Lord, forgive me. I didn't know what I was doing, forgive me. And God will totally forgive you. And I have something amazing to tell you, that one day when you get to heaven, your little baby will be there to see you and to love you. Isn't that amazing? No baby ever is lost. No child is ever lost. No child goes to hell. No baby ever goes out. No way, no way, ever. God's got all the babies in heaven, all the little babies and all the little children. Isn't that amazing? And they actually literally wait for their parents to come. They get excited because they're looking forward to their parents arriving one day. Okay, then. So, 
In 1 Kings 18 and verse 19, Elijah tells Ahab, Now therefore send and gather all Israel to me on Mount Carmel, the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah, which is a Canaanite goddess, who eat at Jezebel's table. So here is God's, as I say, God's covenant nation, which is turned from the one and only true God who promises life and blessings and protection, healing, prosperity, all these amazing things, peace from their enemies, and instead they've turned from God to demonic principalities and entities thanks to the evil governance of King Ahab and Jezebel, his wife. You see, governments determine the state and the future of a nation. This is why the Apostle Paul says, first of all, pray for those in authority that we may live peaceable and godly lives. You know, perhaps we could lay the blame at the church's feet for not interceding and praying like we should for the government for decades so that righteous government will be elected. But of course, sometimes people have prayed and things have not always been truthful. There's such a thing as rigged elections, <laughs> do you know? Anyway, that is something that God will expose. So back to Elijah. He called for a showdown to reveal who is the one and only true God, Baal or the Almighty God. Well, in 1 Kings 18 and 20 to 24, he puts out a challenge, and, I, and it, they all met on Mount Carmel. And some of you will know the story. Elijah, he challenges the 450 prophets of, to, of Baal to build an altar of wood, cut up the bull and lay it on top of the, the wood, but put no fire underneath it. And Elijah would do the same with his altar. He did the same with his altar. He would do the same. So then they were to call on their God, their God Baal, and Elijah would call on his God, the Almighty God, and he said, the God which answers by prayer, by fire, he is God. And so the false prophets of Baal, they built up this altar, and they were crying out to God, crying out to their God Baal, and crying out, and... Um, and nothing was happening. And they started at dawn, and at, by lunchtime, there was still no answer. And I know why. Because you can know, if you could see in the realm of the Spirit, you would have seen the host of heaven there stopping their God doing anything. He, they wouldn't allow him. Even if he could throw, send down fire, they wouldn't allow him. He was bound. And anyway, by lunchtime, there was still no answer. And so now they jumped on the altar. In other words, so, you know, they were saying, we'll be the sacrifices, we'll be the sacrifices if you'll send down fire. Isn't that incredible? Amazing, it didn't come. God could have sent it, it would have been interesting. Anyway, so they were offering themselves as a sacrifice. And so Elijah, I like his sense of humour, he starts to mock them. One man of God, now look at this, now, all Israel had been called to come and watch this. And um, he had asked Ahab, would you call them so that they would watch what was going to happen and turn from their wicked ways? So he was one man, one man of God against 450 prophets of Baal. I tell you what, there's more power in a man of God than there is in the demon-filled people. 
And in 1 Kings 18, 27, so it was at noon, that Elijah mocked them and said, Cry aloud, for he is a God. Either he is meditating, or he is busy, <laughs> or he is on a journey, or perhaps he's sleeping and must be awakened. I love that. Good sense of humour. In verse 28, so now they cried out loud. They're getting really loud now. And now they're cutting themselves. And it says, as was their custom with knives and lances until their blood gushed out. Isn't that so disgusting? I mean, that's what the enemy's like. Kills, steals, destroys. But God and Jesus brings life and life only. Well, by evening came and there still had been no response. Then Elijah calls all the people of Israel. He says, he calls them together and, and um, he, re he calls them, I like this, he calls the people of Israel and he asks them, he says, to repair the altar because the altar of the Lord ha had been broken down. You know, it was through Ahab and, and, and um, Jezebel. They had had all the altars that were set up in, the place, in high places for God. They broke them all down. Satan wants the high places for himself. He wants to destroy churches. He wants to destroy and weaken churches. He wants to destroy believers, but he's not going to. Not in this day. We're entered into an amazing day of God's power and God's glory. Absolutely. God's power and glory is going to be seen. As you know me, over the past few years, I've been saying this is going to happen. God's glory is going to come. The church is going to be amazing. The church, the body of Christ around the world, is going to rise up in an amazing way and we're going to see amazing things happen. And so in verse 31, he took 12 stones, each stone representing according to the number of the tribes of the son of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Israel shall be your name. So he was setting them up, the 12 stones. This is all about covenant that they have covenant with God. He made a trench around those stones. He put, put the wooden order on top. And then he laid the pieces of the ball on top of that. And then he told the people to pour water all over the sacrifice, all over the sacrifice. Three times they filled up water, poured it all over, and all around the trench was filled with water. Uh, right around that. And in verse 36, and it says, And it came to pass, at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, he chose the perfect time. This was the time that God had set up. This is the time for the sacrifice. Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. In other words, he's declaring, you're a covenant-keeping God. Let it be known this day that you are God in Israel, and I am your servant and that I have done all these things at your word. And then in verse 37, he says, Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that you are the Lord God and that you turn their hearts back to you again. See, already during this time, God is turning the hearts of Israel back to him. When they were watching what those prophets were doing, they weren't impressed, I tell you now. And they at all. And so God was already working on their hearts and turning their hearts back to Him. So in verse 38, then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering, and the wood and the stones and the dust, the whole lot. 
and it licked up the water that was in the trench. So it consumed everything. The, the bull, the, the wood, the stones, the water, just gone. Then Elijah said to the people of Israel, you seize those prophets, seize the prophets of Baal, all of them. And Elijah, he took them down to the brook, brook of Kishon and executed them there. And immediately, that, and then the three-year drought was broken. So Baal worship was big in Old Testament times, and as I said, today it still is happening, hidden, hidden away. And, and we know what he demanded, the blood of the innocent. And so every time a baby is murdered in the womb, it is a sacrifice to Baal. And blood has been shed at a greater level than ever especially in this country since early 2020, and I mentioned this last week, when the government passed a law, one of the worst laws, abortion bills found anywhere in the world. Late term is now legal, and no medical assistance given to babies born alive. So some people think that witchcraft doesn't exist, or that there is good witchcraft. There's no good witchcraft. A witch is controlled by Satan and the demonic realm, whether they realise it or not. Demon worship is very much alive and people don't usually realise it. They sing songs that literally are, are singing to Satan. That's true. You, a lot, you listen to the lyrics of songs. You know, I, I, and they're, they're evil. They're full of evil. And people don't realise what, what they're doing to their souls. They're filling it up with all of this stuff and polluting themselves with all this wicked stuff. So there's no good witchcraft at all. A witch is controlled by Satan, as I said. Demon worship is still very much alive, and people don't realize it, and they're glorifying Satan. But in the midst of all this news, this, all of these horror stories, there is good news. <laughs> Satan and all the demonic realm have been stripped of their authority by Jesus Christ through his blood, the blood shed on that cross. And uh, that same authority that has been given to those, he offers us the same authority that he has. He said, I will give you power over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. So Satan and the demonic powers, including Baal, they were among those who were celebrating Jesus' death. You know, Satan really thought he had Jesus. He thought he had sent him to the cross because he stirred up the Pharisees and he stirred up the rulers to arrest Jesus and to have them crucified. And Satan was controlling those crowds uh, so that they would choose Barabbas over Jesus when Pontius Pilate brought Jesus out before the people and he offered Jesus' life for that of Barabbas, Barabbas, and they called out Barabbas, Barabbas, who was a murderer. They were being uh, under the influences of darkness. But praise God, the Bible says, had the powers of darkness known, they would never have crucified the Son of God. If they had known what they were doing, they thought they had crucified Jesus, but it was a plan between, between the Father and the Son, Holy Spirit, before the foundation of the world. They had it all planned out. They knew what would happen. God knows the beginning from the end and the end from the beginning. He knew mankind would fall, but they always had a rescue 
plan in hand that was hidden. We know how Jesus went down into hell. And on the third day, the glory of God came into that place. And Jesus stood up. He was full of the glory of God. And he rose up and he released that fire into all those demonic, the hierarchy who was sitting there, including Baal, waiting to see what the, their Lord Satan was going to do to Jesus Christ. And uh, Jesus rolled up, rolled up to Satan. He says he stripped him of all the, the keys of hell, death, and the grave. It says that he spoiled principalities and powers and he made a show of them openly in that place down there. And they, then Jesus, uh, he left that place, took his blood into the heavenly holy of holies, poured it on the mercy seat, blotted out every sin, every failure of mankind, every sickness, every disease. And now heaven is open to whosoever will call on the name of the Lord of Jesus Christ. He's the holy son of God because he is the one who shed his sinless blood for the forgiveness of sins. He's the only one who could have done that. We cannot enter heaven if we still have the old sin nature. We must be born again. Born of God through the blood of Jesus Christ. Without the shedding of blood, the Bible says, there is no remission of snow or no, no wiping away of sins without the blood. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things are passed away and behold, all things are new and all things are of God. Amen? Thank you, Jesus. Heaven is our destination. And as I said earlier, Jesus said, I give you power over all of the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. We don't have to be afraid of Satan. We don't have to be afraid of the demonic realm because we have power on the inside of us. We are born of God. We are sons and daughters of the Most High God. So the demonic, they know there is power in the blood. They thirst for it. The more sacrifices that are made to them, and the more that people believe their lies and deceit, the stronger they become. But it's all through deception. But they can never, ever have more power than one Christian who has been saved and washed in the blood of Jesus Christ and who know their authority in Jesus Christ. So why am I sharing all of this stuff? Because the church needs to repent. I'm not just I'm saying church general, okay? needs to repent and cry out for God's mercy on our nation and on the nations and cry out for justice for all the innocent blood that has been spilt. We don't call people prophets of Baal these days, but they expose themselves by the laws they pass which call for the blood of the innocent and the defenceless. The Bible says, Whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Because of Jesus' sacrifice, all sin is blotted out and forever his blood cries out mercy and forgiveness. So even a prophet of Baal, even a prophet of Baal can repent and call on the name of the Lord Jesus and be saved. But if they don't and they won't, and they won't turn to Christ, they won't repent and turn to Christ, the very one they hate and oppose, then their blood and that of the innocent will be on their hands and the end won't be good for them. So there is a real demonic kingdom of which Satan is the head and there is also the kingdom of God of which Jesus is the head and which also belongs to all of those who have been bought by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. 
You know, the bloodline of God and his children is the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it is the red thread of redemption that runs and weaves its way through the whole entire Bible. When Jesus entered into heaven, the angels handed him the vial of his precious blood. And he poured it on the mercy seat in heaven, poured it over it, where his blood blotted out every sin, every evil thing, every evil act, from small to large, every sickness and every disease. See, we are measured by his blood. And through the blood, we are made perfect and blameless before the Father. 1 John 2, 1 says, My little children, these things I write to you, so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. You know, a believer should never, ever go out and willfully sin. But if they do, there's always a way back. And it's called repentance. In 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So God is good. God is amazing. And God is wonderful. And Jesus Christ is amazing. He's our Lord, he's our saviour. And he's got our backs. He's out there to protect us. But we need to follow him and do what he asks. Amen? And we, as I have been preaching in previous times, that we are in the best days this earth has ever seen. We're in the days of God's glory, which is about to be shown throughout the whole world. It's going to cover the earth. It talks about that in Isaiah, doesn't it? You know, that as surely as I live, all the glory shall cover this earth. All of it. The whole earth is going to be covered in the glory of God. And he needs you and I. He needs us in these days. He needs us ready. He needs us right. He needs us to uh, be walking in holiness and walking and spending time in the word of God, getting the word in your heart, because, you know, this is the sword of the spirit. This is what we can use to defeat Satan every time. Absolutely. So, Father, I just thank you, Lord, for your word. Father, I thank you, Lord, Father, that you, you just love these people. Father, you do love these people. And you love the people of this whole earth, Father. And Lord, you want to see them saved. Father, I just pray that we can be used, Father, as your soldiers in this day and in this hour, not only to defeat the enemy, but Father, those who will go out and look for the lost and the hurting, Father, and bring them to your son, Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for your life and for your love. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your grace. We thank you, Jesus, that you died for all our sin and also by Jesus' stripes we have been healed. And we don't have to fear what's happening in the earth right now. We don't have to fear what's around us in the name of Jesus because we have you as our source of healing and you as our mighty protector and deliverer. Amen. Amen. So... I'm not sure where to go from here, but I would like to say we would like to pray with you if you want prayer. If you feel you just need to come before God and just say, Lord, I just want to 